I'm your host, Rabbi Linda Schreiner Khan, and welcome to Tehillah Talks, where teens engage in honest conversation with their rabbi about what it means to be Jewish in the world today. Welcome to Tehillah Talks, where we talk about things that are on our mind, and I welcome Bernie, Jillian, and Helena. And it's the new year, and things are happening fast and furiously in the world. And we're in the year 2020. 2020 implies perfect vision. So that's kind of one of my thoughts today is, uh, what visions do we have? (laughs) What does perfection look like? Is any of it attainable? And I'm throwing out on the table this notion that uh, Eli Wiesel talks about. One of the things he says is that the opposite of, of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. So we're challenged not to be indifferent to the world in which we live. And I'll just start with that as, a, as an opening quote. If I say that the opposite of love is, is indifference, what onus does that put on us? Kind of a depressing one, in my opinion, because, you know, indifference is something that I feel like you kind of have to practice at times. I mean, you, that's you, just my initial reaction to that statement is like, there's, as, although I agree that like... Well, you, hate is active. Hate is active, but I, you know, it's kind of cliche, but people say like hate and love are pretty similar and I think they are in a way. Like, but yeah, I, I, I would agree that indifference can be even worse than like, than, you know what I mean? Hate, you're just like guilty, but if you're indifferent, you're like, you know, you're just absolving yourself when... You're you know stepping I mean? back. So you're stepping a, back from the front. It's more sneaky, you know what I mean. <laughs> but does that mean hate is better than indifference? I mean, I just don't know how that could be. Well, hate. I don't know that hate is better than indifference. But when if somebody is actively feeling something, you have a better chance of engaging them in a conversation than you do if like I don't care. I don't care. I'm walking. I'm walking away. I really don't care. But if that having encountered people who have belonged to hate groups and have come out of it, it's because somebody engaged with them yeah. and took the time to see them. Bernie, any thoughts on this? Well, what you guys are thinking, or what you're saying right now, I was thinking what Helena was actually thinking. But it seems to me like the worst would be, or the, the most opposite to love would be kind of a mix of hatred and indifference. So, like, uh, if you hate, like you just said, like hating something, but also not being uh, willing to discuss it or talk about it to try to resolve that. So, because I feel like, like Helena said, if we're saying love is a good thing, right, and we're saying hate is the opposite of that, and that's, like, the worst thing. So that would mean that indifference is worse than hate. So it's like, I don't know, that seems... Can I, can I add on to that? Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like part of that statement is also that, like, it takes so little to dispel hate, but, like, when everybody's indifferent, like, hatred is able to succeed. In That's way, you right. You know what I mean? That's like, exactly when, right. When, like, in the context of, like, the, like, recent anti-Semitic attacks in New York, I feel like it's 
what really shocks me, what really, what I really feel like is scary is that there's still people out there that would, like, go and, like, attack people in cold blood for their religion. And, like, of course, like, there's violence all the time in our country and, like, it's sadly prolific, but when it's your own community, you feel like, oh, my God, like, I really, like, how much of that hatred could have been dispelled by just, like, an act of kindness or, like, you know, just talking to somebody like a person, you know what I mean? But also there are people who hear about that on the news or they're just reading about it and they don't care or they care, but they're not going to do anything about it. And so I think in that sense, that could be worse at times if so many people are just ignoring it. So here's the other piece of that. If you're indifferent about things that happen to your own community, how much more indifferent are you to things that happen to other communities? Uh, And I think that's a piece of it, too is that that community felt that the rest of the Jewish community was indifferent to them. Forget about anybody else. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, indifference is, is, is it's like a worm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just sort of, it destroys the, the structure. Mm-hmm. Hate's out there. Also, this, this whole situation kind of like, my the next thing that comes to mind is sort of like the cliche that violence breeds more violence but it's it's so true like you know hatred breeds more hatred like people see an act of violence they think oh my god so and so would attack me just because i'm blank and it's like the classic story like that you see like i feel like across history like across across scenarios that just people like they get scared of the like of the premise of violence and then they kind of like forget the like that so one of the, I mean, I sort of mentioned before that I'm reading this this book about Eli Wiesel as a teacher, and he talks a lot about how do we see other people, and it, it strikes me that too often when we meet people we make assumptions, and I know this is like this is the worst thing for me as a rabbi to assume that my set of experiences can be applicable to somebody who's come to me for help. That is the height of me being, you know, like, well, I know because I went through that. Well, no, no, I haven't got a clue about that other person's set of experiences and their history and everything that brought them to that moment of whether it's despair or joy or whatever it is. I don't know. And so the hardest thing, and we're not trained to, I don't, unless you tell me differently, I don't know that we're trained to be really present for each other and recognize that each and every one of us is unique. Do you think we're trying, I mean, do you think that you've given, you've been given the tools to, to, I mean, to contemplate that? Can I say something super pessimistic? Sure. But like, why do we have to be unique? Like, why can't we just be somewhat similar? Like, I don't know. I feel I, like, we can be somewhat no, similar. No, 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 but, but, but more what I'm saying is just like, I feel like for me, it's just like, I really wish regardless of who and what and why we could all just be like you know like we can all be loving more that or we can all be kind more than or hateful or fearful you know what i mean like regardless of you know what i mean i don't think i've been necessarily i think i've i guess my personal realization was like even if you're not special even if you're completely mundane like even if even if me or you are like so uncommon that that's the reason why i don't like you like i you're still deserving of you know what i mean Yes, and. Yeah. Yes, and. And what would you say, Bernie, before I start talking again? 
I definitely see what Julian is saying. I think sometimes there's like too much focus on trying to be unique. And I don't know if that's like training or if that's just kind of human nature of wanting to be unique and wanting to be set apart and want to be remembered for something. So, 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 so. see people as people. Well, but yes. I definitely think. I want Helena to say more. Yeah. What do you have any response to this? Well, I just think in certain scenarios, we try to blend in and we try to be like everyone else. And then I think maybe as we grow older, we, I mean, try to find what's unique about us and then bring that out and emphasize it. But I still think that in many ways, we try to be similar to many people. So, so let me say this. So, yes, there's common, it's like, like I, I think of it as um, a space. If we were in a circle, there'd be a, a common central space. And that's our common area where we all have similarities mm-hmm. and, and we're like each other. Yet, even in that circle, we're coming to that circle from different places. Well, I feel like I feel like the irony of these situations is like you're looking at a consequence of of identity politics. You know what I mean? Like when I was that one of the attacks we talked about was committed by like a black Israelite. And when I was watching like I just randomly been watching a documentary about them. And what really like struck me and I found I found almost like ironic and startling was the fact that like they were latching on to what I something that like they were latching onto the Jewish narrative to explain like their feelings like. It was it was hateful against like in that case Caucasian people, but they were latched like it was ironic that somebody that could commit an act against like a a Jewish person would also be like embracing their narrative in a sense. It was very strange and surreal, and I thought like it kind of illuminates this like what I I don't necessarily mean that people aren't special, but just that like we need to sometimes we need to put the identities aside and just be people. You know what I mean? Right, just, but I I think. I think what he's talking about is that oftentimes we meet people and we make assumptions that they're just like us and they may not be. Yeah. Totally. I, so that, I think that's where this is coming from. Not to disagree yeah, with yeah. what you're saying, but it's just how do we see the differences? And, and um, today at, I was at the, this rally uh, walking across the uh, Brooklyn bridge and, I think there were more than 25,000 people there. But for me, it was really heartening to see my friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Afridi, speaking as a a proud Muslim woman, acknowledging anti-Semitism. That, for me, was really powerful and empowering. And her narrative is not my narrative, but she sees my narrative as I see hers, I believe, because I know that she faces Islamophobia. So that's what I'm saying. I feel like acknowledging one is acknowledging all of them. You know what I mean? Like, just the, I feel like the reason why that's so powerful is like, if somebody from a different religion can recognize like the reality of anti Semitism, like, then, then you in turn can like recognize their perspective, whatever, whatever the case might be. You know what I mean? Like, that's what's so, yeah, I also think that's like a really powerful message that people should take from these like, from these unfortunate attacks is that, like, we need to show more solidarity, I guess. Together, we are stronger. Yeah. I mean, that, that that piece of it. But 
Yes. And so also in your generation, so this, this is a generational divide, I think, is that um, what we see with helicopter parents and all of that is my child is really unique and yeah. special and there's I nobody like my child. That's not what my I'm talking about. My parents me and I'm like, no, stop. Like, I'm <laughs> that, that's not what I'm yeah. talking about. I, I'm talking about when you're meeting people who are truly different than you are mm-hmm. and to recognize that difference yeah. and not it's not about being special mm-hmm. i had a really power can i just share i know i've been talking a lot but can i just share like a powerful experience i had me and some kids from my school who went to this mosque in um like along the Mashu parkway in the bronx and a lot of the people that went there were like from bangladesh or pakistan or, or similar countries and one of them was talking about his experiences visiting Israel. And, like, he got, as a Muslim, he got questions like, do you hate Israel? Do you hate Jews? And he was like, of course not. Like, <laughs> I want to come here because this is where all, like, the all the Muslim stuff is. Like, you know what I mean? And we, we like, nine or ten kids from my school and, like, all these, like, all these guys from the mosque were, like, having this conversation about how the meaning of Islam to them is really unity. It's really love. Like, we're talking about love. And I feel like that's... That's kind of the meaning of religion. That's why you have religion, to, like, have that solidarity, that community, you know, that common ground, I guess. Well, right. So if you go to that, it's one of the things I taught my children a long time ago was that how many different languages can you say water in? I mean, two. English, well, <laughs> but two, or you're taking, anybody taking French, right? Or you, t- you have Latin, uh, we have German, we have Hebrew. Mm-hmm. But the essential essence of water is the exact same in each language. Water is water is water. And that the understanding that the we are all human beings, however we define that, we're still essentially made up of skin and tissue and blood and organs and all of that. For better or for worse. For better or for worse, <laughs> minds, yeah. right? And just to remind ourselves of that, that that there is more that unites us than divides us. Um, but I feel like with the with the times, I guess, like just how this year started with the con- like the conflict with Iran and just everything that's happening around the world. I feel like it's so hard to get that message from what I what I hear on the radio or what I read in the headlines. It's like kind of depressing, honestly. Like. It feels to me that it's a moment where, and as clergy, I certainly feel uh, a sense of obligation that it's a time for clergy to talk, be talking to one another and opening the conversation to the communities that we serve. And because, yes, these are, these are dangerous waters that we're in right now. Can I ask a question? Sure. Do you feel like as a rabbi, this is like, one of the most divisive, whether political, religious, or otherwise times that you've been, like, a community leader? Like, I mean, with 9-11, like, in recent memory or whatever. Yes. Yes, because I see it not happen. I see it happening in so many different places in the world. I see what's going on in India. Yeah. Which is really, you know, I see what's going on in Australia. I see what's going on here. I see it happening in so many different places. I see the rise of anti-Semitism in Argentina, you know, it, it, it's where it was, was sort of tamped down for a while. All of our worst selves are being exposed. And how how do we stop that? 
I, I don't have an answer to how do we stop it. I feel it. like that's the reality of, you know, like for every... Well, and... and, and, people, and as, as people are so capable of good, like I obviously... I don't think I could live life without some belief in that. But like, I also... The sad reality is that people are also capable of evil. You know, so I guess my kind of question is like, do you think religion has some kind of answers to like why things like this can happen? Like, what's, you know? I think it's when you get off the path, to be honest. That's religion is a two edged sword. Yeah, if you look at history, I mean, religion has been great for bringing groups of people together, but it has been very good at pitting groups of people against against each each other. other. (laughs) Right? So it would have to be a pretty different thing going on now to get religion to unite everyone mm-hmm. instead of just the. I, I don't. I don't know that I can assume for everyone. I'm hoping for my little patch here in Riverdale. <laughs> uh, for uh, I mean, our corner of the world. <laughs> my little corner of the world, uh, and and down the hill in Kingsbridge. If if we can <laughs> if we can all be talking to one another, mm-hmm. hey, I'll be happy with that because you never know. How how one even, pebble even in New York like I feel like that's the like that's what I love about New York is like you're just you're on the subway and like you talk to people and you just like like I you know what I mean it's just it's surreal to me that like it could be happening right in our doorstep I feel like a lot of for I feel like there's this there's at least for me like I have this perception of anti-Semitism where like when I encounter it in real life it's kind of detached from the like abstract anti-Semitism that I know you know what I mean by that like when I was a kid like you know sometimes there'd be like swastika spray painted around even in Riverdale you know like even in we're known for being like extremely Jewish over here so I don't know it's like it's kind of it's so I guess it's weird to be in 2020 and like start the year this way I think it's, what do you guys think? it's one of the problems right now is that everyone sees a different narrative. Like, it's not one... People have such different um, ideas of what is fact and what is made up because we're so divided, like, uh, just denying whatever the other side says. That like, And just also in, on smaller levels even, like, for me, I, I don't pay a ton of attention to this kind of stuff, and... I, I can definitely, you know, feel from what I've heard that things are getting kind of rough, right? Yeah, it, but it feels that way, at I least. Mean, from my bubble, going to, like, a school that's basically, like, half Jewish, it doesn't seem so bad, like, to me. And yeah. for some people, just, like, having so much hate in them that they would attack Well, I feel like people. that's the problem with this indifference, is, like, how can you not be indifferent? Like, how can we, like, you know what I mean? I was talking to my friend about this, and I was like... Really, like, if I didn't have to go to school... Yeah. Do you, do you have something you want to say? No, no, no. I was, I was just saying, like, it's it's difficult to be, like, to conquer something like anti-Semitism, like, in a 24-hour day and to, like, get your eight you hours. Can't you can't conquer know? it in a 24-hour day. <laughs> Helena. Well, I just feel like all this hatred and violence has become so normalized that, like, even in my school, that's, I'd say, 65% Jewish, maybe 70. And... And two years ago, there were three swastikas drawn on the on bathroom walls and the N word, and just so many actress, acts of hatred. Two years ago and last year, that I mean, I wasn't even surprised when they happened, be, when they kept happening, because it was just it just became normal. And I, so that's the thing that I heard today at the rally is yeah. don't allow it to be normal. Yeah. And how do you do that? Call it out. 
I don't know. I feel like the problem is, is like you never actually get to see a Nazi like you draw us watch. You know what I mean? It's never that. But it's, it's not never, necessarily like, a Nazi. Even, what did even I looking at the people who perpetrated this attack? Like it's I feel like part of the irony or I, I keep saying the word irony, but part of like the the predicament here is that you're not dealing with like swastika wearing like you know shaved it's not, heads it's not a word it's, it's yeah it's it's a complicated reality i think is you know right and the way that it, the internet is used as a tool to yeah. propagate ideas to people who are lonely isolated it's a whole business. <laughs> I mean, no, it's an I mean, industry. You know, they're they're. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, we we know the story of the young women who were recruited by ISIS through compute. You know, and if you if you talk, and, I feel like if you talk to any Muslim, they will tell you that like those groups to them do not represent their religion. Of course not. You know what I mean? And of when, you, when we have these acts of violence, I feel like part of the challenge is like when it comes across your tabloid screen or whatever to like kind of like it's hard to reach that point of like acceptance and i guess forgiveness also when it's like it feels like this relentless impersonal like impending well so one of the know. things that the clergy and riverdale is thinking about doing is starting a campaign using language like you know love not hate uh, not necessarily exactly that and why why do we need to do that why do we need to have a campaign why do we need to put signs in storefront windows because because if we do that then maybe we won't be indifferent i don't I feel like i feel like i'm just in response to that like i think part of the problem here is that like it's not the people that you like go into their store and say hi to them and you like you know it's not the people that you interact with and show that common decency it's people that are like seriously ostracized from society they're that are committing these acts of hate. Like, not not 100% of the time, but I feel like, you know, in a lot of the time, it's people that have kind of been, they're already past, not, not past redemption, obviously, but you know what I mean. They're Right. So the question is, how do you bring them back into society? How do you welcome them back in? Is it the small gesture of... Uh, of making eye contact with somebody who might... You know, I, I don't know I what the, the answer is. I think the government needs to be more attuned to their mental health. Need, like, I feel like it's been a... it's There's been a long history in this country of, like, very selective... Reckon, like, you know, you'll see a headline about, uh, like, if a Muslim person commits, like, a, a murder or something, it's a terrorist event. Or, like, it's a terrorist attack, you know? And, like, Al-Qaeda is at the top. But really, there's these huge anti-Semitic white nationalist groups that do commit, like, hate across our country. And for a long, like, period of our history, we ignored that. So I think the government needs to step up and really say, like, everybody, Orthodox Jew to transgender to to whatever, is, like, deserving of the same protection from hate. Helena, any thoughts? How, I mean, how do, we, how do we combat hate? You know, today the sign was, you know, no fear, no hate. That was this this rally today. And one of the speakers said that the Jewish community is not the place to find anti-Semitism. It, it has, it, we, we can't change the way we are perceived. But it was something that... Man, I disagree. I, one of the things that Dr. Afridi said, and I thought was really important, was not to let the kind of statements that people make about Jews go, go unchallenged. Like, Jews run the world financially. 
I wish. Uh, <laughs> That'd be nice, man. I'm trying to see. I mean, yeah, I, no, I, 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 all those screeds, I can't even begin. But to... it's like it's like you have um, Stephen Miller in the White House talking about uh, the camps of saints, you know, and he's Jewish. Isn't he Jewish? And he's that's white supremacist stuff. You know, it's like it's insane that it's somebody in the White House representing us is supporting like anti like it's this narrative. Like, I don't know. I feel like. Not to be too political, but um, with, like, supporters of Trump, for instance, like, one of my good friends is, like, a Trump supporter, and he, even, like, being what his background is, like, being, like, the son of immigrants or whatever, like, he agrees with Trump's border policies and, like, feels that immigration will lead our country, like, down a black hole. And it's it's hard to, like, draw the line between where's your right to believe what you want to believe and what's what's hateful. So part of the question, and, and so if that's an example, somebody believes in immigration, that we have should have better immigration laws. As a statement, that's not a terrible statement to make. Well, he, No, let me, yeah, let me finish. Yeah, yeah, it's not, as a statement, that's not a terrible statement. It becomes a terrible statement when you are excluding certain groups of people. It becomes a terrible statement when, uh, yes, you're, you want to come from England? We'll yeah. figure out a way for you to, yeah. and and you're not and you're not from. Uh, excuse me, your family didn't come from India to England. You're you're yeah. right. You're Anglo-Saxon. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll figure out a way for you to, to. But even that person has a hard time right now. Yeah, yeah. Unless they're doing a particular kind of job that is acceptable. So we're we're in a very strange moment as far as immigration is concerned. And people people whose families came over, they may have rewritten their own narrative. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's part of it too, is we write our own narratives. So your grandfather came from England, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Your fa- your father came yes. from England. Yeah. Your father came from Ireland. So- <laughs> <laughs> But can I can I ask you guys a question? Do you feel that um, like these recent anti-Semitic attacks? Do you feel like they're just one element of a wider phenomenon that's happening right now? Like when I guess part of this rally, I guess, is to kind of say that violence against Jews is violence against any minority or people. Period. You know what I mean? So, what do you guys think? Definitely seems like a, a marker of like just rising hate everywhere for all minorities and I mean it's uh we were talking about it before it it does seem to be happening all over the world and not just to um Jews so yeah I think so yeah I agree do you mean like specifically targeted towards the Jewish community or yeah like do you feel like any like the attacks that have been targeted against the Jewish community are like they they also threaten other groups you know what I mean like they could also then like have other negative consequences for, like, wider America, you know? Yeah, if, if people keep hearing about more and more acts of hate, it inspires them, yeah. too. Once you can do something, yeah. you can do more of it. Once but you get like, away with doing it, it's... Well, uh, we, live in a, we live in a country where, you know, ki- children are killed in their classroom and nobody does anything, you know? Like, it feels to me... I don't know, I, like... I feel like there's, I encounter so many people who are, like, so disillusioned. Like, it feels like nobody's really, like, 
Nobody's really still nobody's up in nobody's like for like the last like right. And I, I guess I feel like wait a second, aren't you up in arms? And and uh, we know that there's a higher rate of depression right now. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother has. One. This is a very depressing podcast. I, I'm so sorry. What's the upside of? I well, I, I guess what my question is: What's the upside? How do we? How do we? So I, I don't want to end on that. Like yeah, very yeah. depressing. No. <laughs> How do we energize people, and what's the message we want to send? Right? How do you how do you tell people that love is an active verb, and that there needs to be more acts of loving kindness in the world? How do we how do we do that, Bernie? Think about this. How do, what do we do? Yeah, I mean, right now, like even the the targeted minorities are kind of stepping back and, you know, building more borders, you know, like you said, this was like mostly a Jewish rally, but to address anti-Semitism, you really have to address people who aren't Jewish. So I think that's definitely one of the problems is even the people perpetrating the hate are trying to put up borders. The people that are receiving the hate are also kind of putting up borders. They're getting into a, um, a cycle, a cycle of, right. And, And so that's, so my question is, how do we break that cycle? Helena, you have any thoughts? Well, I think we need to try harder to find more similarity between each other, but also recognize that difference isn't bad. It, difference should never be bad. And so... So difference isn't a negative. Yeah. I feel like... I don't know. I've, this might be, like, idealistic, but I feel like instead of drawing a swastika, like, draw a heart or something. You know what I mean? Like, draw a rainbow. Like, don't... Like, just don't do it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the way that... when I The way that I try to react to these events, like, don't... It's hard to find a positive comeback, but just being nice to people. I don't know. Like, I feel like whenever I... Like, I, what, no matter what the person's background is they're homeless or whatever i always try to be nice to people like try to say like good morning like not even like not in an intrusive way but you know like just just treating people like people i feel like you never know if that if that person like could then like if you make that person feel good maybe they're the person that's random acts of kindness Yeah, yeah you know it's the butterfly effect just like hate has this it can feel like a multiplying kind of suffocating effect i feel like love can have the same so I think so part of it is to think about in our own lives how do we activate random acts of kindness and it it, it can be we've talked about it before about our families but it's also out of that on the subway coming back David was just looking at me the woman next to me had been at the rally she found out a lot about me she really did she found out a lot about me and I and I'm trying to be guarded but I can't be guarded because yeah. clearly she wanted to communicate. Mm-hmm. And so... But that's no small feat. Like, every time you talk to somebody, you give a little bit of your... You give a little bit of yourself, right? Yeah. And I think there's... Like, why are you telling your all this stuff? But, David's not the... Well, he's not, he's, no, he's not going to do that. Yeah. But but I think it, it was... She needed an affirmation. She told me a little bit about herself. And it was clear that she needed an affirmation of possibility in her own life by hearing about somebody else's and so that my telling her just a little piece of my own personal story mm-hmm. without too much detail but just enough was because when she when we got off the subway together she was grateful for the interaction now that's just a very you, never know, you, know? you 
It didn't cost you anything. It didn't it was free cost too. me anything. <laughs> Can I just say one last thing? Like, I feel like this this might be a little corny, but like, I think to me, my involvement in like tequila is kind of it symbolizes love to me, I guess, or like what we were talking about, like just that that compassion or like unity between people, like. And I see that across all religions. That's what I find so fascinating about this whole situation. Like, I feel like everybody, like, whether you're looking at people praying at the Kabbalah or whatever, it's all about, like, that not only focusing on yourself and praying, but also, like, that unity. It's something that's in all religions. So I I feel like that's, we have to embrace that, I guess, instead of, like, the Sunni versus Shia, Jew versus whoever, like, you know. The versus is the trouble. <laughs> you know, against, right, yeah. as opposed to with. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, this is not, not a promo, but I, I think one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is in a week, well, this coming Friday night, we're having members of the Presbyterian mm-hmm. Church come and talk about their mission uh, in February to Puerto Rico. And to me, those small steps of inviting each other into each other's spaces is just a way of clearing up the things that we don't know about each other or that we don't know about ourselves even because that cause kind of emerges. Because uh, when, when your sister came in and spoke at Tehillah about what was going on at your school, that was, that was really powerful. It's important to, to share our experiences. And talk. I and feel like find comfort in each other. Find comfort in each other. Find find strength yeah. in each other. By by doing by doing these small acts, you think, oh, you think, oh, that's nothing. And then you discover it's really not nothing because by you talking about that small thing that you've done, you've given somebody the courage to do something else. Mm-hmm. And, and so maybe that's what I'm talking about yeah. in all of this, is that for you all to have the courage to do whatever makes sense to you. I'm not telling yeah. you the what. I, I'm just saying have the courage to go forward and you're, you're be kind. Compassionate. And be compassionate. <laughs> it's even and harder be, than being mean. <laughs> well, yeah. I know that when I'm tired, I tend to have a more narrow bandwidth and can be snarky. And... I wor- yes, I'm, I'm working time. really. I'm working <laughs> really hard not to to let my snarky side come out. It doesn't emerge with any of you. I have to admit, <laughs> it really doesn't. It tends I'm to emerge snarky. with. I have to admit, <laughs> I feel pretty snarky a lot of the time. But but yeah, but it's not appropriate for me to be snarky. It yeah. really isn't. <laughs> I can be snarky with my family, and maybe and yeah, maybe yeah. they'll they they'll accept. They it. might accept it. Yeah. But yeah. I just want, if you have a concluding thought, uh, Julian has done a lot of talking this time. Yeah, so I, I want, I'm going to ask him not to. So I just want to ask Helena and, and Bernie just to sum up what, what your takeaway is from this, this conversation. Well, I really like something that Bernie said uh, a little earlier about the borders and how in times like these, certain communities are just building up more borders and trying to separate themselves from the larger community, but I think we can't do that now. We need to all, well, this is unrealistic, but we need to all unite and kind of come together without having any borders and without separating ourselves. I I think that what you guys were saying about, like, talking about those random acts of kindness also is really important because you can kind of 
get like an exponential effect. You know, you are kind to one person, right? But you can just, instead of talking about the horrible news, you could talk about being kind to that person with other people, you know, (laughs) and then they'll want to be kind to other people. And then you can get this like tree effect, you know, getting more and more people instead of, I mean, even just being kind is good, but then it's kind of just more of like a linear Mm -hmm. train when you could actually be like branching it out more. So we're going to end on a note of kindness. <laughs> yeah. We're going to end, end this, this podcast and, and say that we wish you a year that is filled with kindness. And as a, a button I saw today read, make America kind again. Uh, if, you know, from our, our mouths to your ears, to your actions, uh, that's what we would like to see. Wishing you all the best Whoever in 2020. Whatever your background is. Whatever your background is. Thank you all. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tehillah Talks. For more information about Tehillah, go to congregationtehillah.org. Tune in next time when our teens continue to reflect on issues of the day through a Jewish lens.